1: What would you like the power
2: to do? Mobile
1: banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
3: Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theater, and at all venues call 612-341-4141 or visit ticketkingonline.com pabst blue ribbon always smooth always refreshing gold medal winner at the 2016 great american beer festival when you're this good quality always comes through PB Army, asap
0: the following is a podcast one minnesota production
3: For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500
0: ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to the Super Bowl Week edition of the Purple Podcast. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN, joined in the uh, Hubbard Broadcasting Cafeteria today. we got different... different uh, digs because uh our, our usual spot is is being taken by the uh, very regal Derek Wetmore uh joined by Matthew Collar and Judd at 1500 ESPN we are uh, breaking down a few different things today talking Vikings talking Super Bowl uh probably even offering a little bit of gambling advice towards the end so stick around for that but uh guys let's get into it here the Atlanta Falcons of course are the NFC representative in the Super Bowl on Sunday their presence there I believe is uh triggering some degree of hope from a number of different corners. I've seen this written a couple of times about, well, the Vikings could be the next team to do this, right? I mean, the, the Atlanta went 5-0 and to start last season, fell apart, finished 8-8, and and now they're in the Super Bowl the next year. And you, know, you, you see people talking about, well, the Vikings could be the next one to do that. A, do we think that that's a possibility? And B, what would it take for the Vikings to follow the Falcons' path and be playing in their own stadium, albeit as the road team, next February?
2: Well, I, it, yeah, sure, it's possible because uh, we always talk about how it's the best quarterbacks that win the Super Bowl and that is almost always true, but when it comes to making the Super Bowl we've seen some purely great defensive teams and Jake DeLome be the quarterback right. or Colin Kaepernick and Joe Flacco make a Super Bowl at, at one point, but the idea that Sam Bradford's play could be elevated to what Matt Ryan did this year I would say no way Uh, no way no matter what they do offensively no matter what offensive linemen they get what they spend in free agency are you getting that type of performance an all-time great season out of Sam Bradford because throughout his career Matt Ryan had had other seasons where he was in that range of being an elite quarterback. He wasn't always, not every single season of his career, but he had shown the capability. When we talk about Sam Bradford, this was the best year of Sam Bradford's career. This is the best that he has ever been. Maybe health is a big part of it, but in terms of trying to elevate him from being maybe the 17th best quarterback in the NFL to anywhere close to where Matt Ryan was this year, that's a a pretty tough sell. So you'd have to be repeating and then even better than this year's defense, and that's potentially with even losing some guys, and then a huge, 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 huge jump on offense.
1: The 2017 Vikings cannot be the 2016 Falcons. Here's my question. Can they be the 2015 Broncos? If you're going to go, we are, I think, rightfully so, but we are hung up right now, guys, on one thing, right, which is, Look at the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks are there. This
0: was one of those years where it was gilded quarterbacks in the But the Vikings
1: template's not that. No, it's not. The Vikings template is what the Broncos did. So I would say that if you're going to say, uh, can the 2017 Vikings replicate what the Falcons have done, the answer is absolutely no. No way, no how. This offense, I I don't care what you do, is not going to get uh, to that type of play in a year. All of that being said, if you're going to look at one example, it's last year's Broncos. Is that possible? Yes, it's a long shot. But if, your def- if you can now come through again and say, okay, defense is going to be our dominant trait and we're going to be really good there and our offense is going to tag along and be decent, that's your only hope of, of replicating a recent Super Bowl champion and or team to get there.
0: Well, and I, I think the offense being decent, I, I think, is certainly within range. I, yep. I mean, I, I, we all know what the things they're going to have to improve are. I mean, when they have to be able to run the ball – I talked with Kyle Rudolph about that this week, and we'll get into this in a minute. But, I mean, they have to run the ball. They have to maybe get another weapon, and they have to be able to protect Sam Brad for long enough where he can let things develop downfield. But if you have a league average offensive line, and now that will take a couple of moves to get to that point, but is this team good enough to win if they have? an average offensive line, a competent offense, and a good defense, I I think it's certainly feasible that they that they make a run, whether that's a Super Bowl or not, I don't know. but
2: Yeah, it might be two different conversations if you're saying, should they be in the playoffs and a legitimate contender next year? I mean, yeah, that's the expectation, and reasonably so. If they spend all of the available cap room to fix the offensive line and potentially add another weapon, i have like the idea of adding a deep threat. Yeah. Looking at the way that uh, the Falcons have reworked Worked their offense. I read a story today that they looked to the NBA about spreading the floor and you know, spreading the field. And you can see it with the deep threats, the vertical threats yeah. that they have. And Matt Bowen, actually, your guy from ESPN, yeah. did Love an Matt awesome Bowen. breakdown of how they create areas yeah. where it's a running back all alone with a linebacker. And if he wins that battle, it's a big play. And they clear out space that way. And I guess my, my question would be on that is the offensive coordinator going to be innovative enough to figure out ways to get this team to average? Because I think that their talent, even if it's improved through free agency, is probably, at best, your average offense. And then, does that make them a real Super Bowl contender if you're average in either of the two areas, I guess? Especially on offense, though. I think you could be average on defense, but if you are average on offense, it's really hard to win unless you have an all-time great defense.
1: This is a tough discussion because... The realization that you get to is if you look at the blueprints for what's successful right now, yeah, this isn't good. No, it's not what the Vikings do. You are looking at if if you're going to say, okay, what we what we have seen offensively and for the most successful teams uh, in 2016, can that can that be? Can the Vikings get there? I would say absolutely not. And I, I would say there's actually a case to be made to come back to the Vikings and say you chose the wrong course. Now, I'm not sure that's true. But if we are going to take what the Falcons have done, if we're, if we're going to take what the most successful teams that we're watching right now have done, you do have a case to come back and say, you chose a path that looked good and might have been wrong. Yeah, and and I mean it's tough to say, but it's true because what led them down that path?
0: I mean, do we? What, I mean, what led, Adrian Peterson, I suppose. In what some led ways. them down
1: that path, in my opinion, was this: they go from they go from Childress to Frazier, and Frazier's a defensive guy, Ben, but it's a mess, right? Right. And and in the meantime, what happens? Spielman completely whiffs on Ponder. I mean, a huge miss. And now they can't find a quarterback. And I think what led them here was Spielman going to the Wilfs and saying, "There's one of two ways to do this: either I can continue to try to find." That that quarterback which is incredibly tough yes it is or or step two is there's some good defensive teams out there so if we can stop Rodgers and Stafford and at the time Cutler right we can win and I will go get a defensive guy but what I'm saying is if we're going to go by what we're seeing on Sunday there's a chance that he convinced them of something that's not going to work too
0: well yeah and, and you mentioned Denver that certainly is a template how often that happens I, we've talked about it a little bit it, it, I think it's harder to do it that way Right, than it is to go get the quarterback who's going to throw for 300 yards a game and get you to 35 points and you're good to go. But those guys are awfully hard to find and they're expensive to have. And it takes patience. I mean, it, it, it takes saying, okay, we're going to go get one on the draft, we're going to let him develop, and and maybe we get our guy, maybe we don't. And it's always a risk when you're, when you're counting on the patience of the people that are employing you to – to go find those guys
2: it's a I think it's a job security play yeah. a lot of times yeah I mean you can have Almost better definitely. better job security if you build up your defense and then w- it, when the defense inevitably falls off you fire your coach and, and then you just go back around and round and round and around but if you sign a quarterback or draft a quarterback and he goes bust most times you lose your job as a GM because you are inevitably pinned to that guy it doesn't always happen as we've seen here but a lot of times that's what happens because you'll draft the quarterback high they bust you go three and 13 because he's that bad and then the finger gets pointed at you and that's just how valuable the quarterback position is right i mean that the difference between having an average quarterback and a guy who goes bust is i mean look at the rams i mean that's a talented rams team and they're Really bad this year. And I know Jeff Fisher be, has become a punchline, but since Jeff Fisher had Steve McNair, it's been mediocre quarterback after mediocre quarterback after mediocre quarterback. Yeah. I am pretty sure that Jeff Fisher could probably coach a fine football team. But when you're starting Case Keenum and then uh, totally in over his head, Jared Goff, you're probably going to lose a lot and you're going to get
1: fired just like
2: Jeff Fisher did.
1: And and Fisher got fired in part because why? Because they've got a a young quarterback, but he's a defensive guy. And so they deem that he is, for Goff's sake, not going to be the guy to develop Jared Goff. And now we get into the situation if Bridgewater is done, let's say, and let's say the Vikings do find a quarterback, a a young QB. Do you then trust Zimmer to develop him because he's a defensive guy? I mean, this is this is why the Rams went out and hired, what, a 31 year old. Coordinator to be yeah. their head coach or a thirty year old, but it's but I'm seriously, now,
0: not only am I older than most of the players, I'm now older than one of the head coaches. Oh, shut That's up! It's very depressing.
1: I'm old, but my point is, but my point is this: you have now gone out and hired a kid to be your coach based on one thing. You think he can de- develop your young quarterback? Yep. And so this is this is a conundrum in the sense that Spielman could probably buy himself time based on the fact that he can go to the Wilfs and say, Bridgewater blew out his knee, and that's not my fault, and I actually thought that he was going to be good. But this still leaves the Vikings in the same exact predicament, which is, can you find a quarterback? And if you do find a young quarterback who you really like, is a defensive coach the guy to develop that quarterback, which might seem unfair? But it's a real question.
2: You know, I think Sam Bradford is the same as having a really good defense, isn't he? Like Sam Bradford is a ticket to you are going to be at least 7-9 and nine, probably all the time and keep your job.
0: Maybe ten and six, eleven and five. Right, Will at you, times.
2: If, if your defense is great, you'll be eleven and five. Sure. It's kind of like uh, what we've seen from the Lions. Like Matt Stafford is good enough for people to keep their jobs. Yeah,
0: I thought he was better than that this year, but then yeah, he broke yeah. his finger I'll, and I'll, things went downhill.
2: Yeah, I'll agree with you there. But for the most most part of his career, he's just just good enough to be around yeah. and be in the conversation Pretty for a playoff cool. spot but never quite good enough to get you over the hump. And I guess when I'm looking at Atlanta and the the Patriots you almost can't even talk about just because it's like, well, yeah, they got I agree they have you. Tom Brady. Although I would say this, their transition to using their running backs 47% of their offense came from running backs whether like of their offensive plays, targeting them or catches or runs. The way that they've changed their offense completely yeah. around Brady's fading. They've done it settled, several times. It's brilliant. I yeah. mean, it's absolutely brilliant. Do you
1: guys think that that the Patriots are a good, for teams, good blueprint to look at because of what they've done, or are they actually more destructive? Because I've seen more coaches and teams say, well, if Belichick can do it, and how many times do we see teams do that? and it don't work because they are, they are dealing at an Einstein, right? I mean, they are so much higher than you. I actually think the Patriots are somewhat destructive for teams yeah. because, because you look at that and say, that's the blueprint, the Patriots' blueprint, and, but there's so many nuanced things. And then there's Brady that I think you actually mind-bleep yourself yeah. by trying yeah. to copy that because it's, there are so many teams that can't do that, and coaches are never going to be flexible enough at the end of the day to truly take that step. I mean, Belichick changes the game plan offensively and defensively every game. Yeah. Imagine yep. Mike Zimmer. Imagine going to Mike and saying, okay, here's the one thing, especially offensively, Mike, we're going to have your coaches just change things up. I mean, he's a smart guy, yeah. but I, I think it's too much for coaches at times.
0: Well, the, the problem with the blueprint thing to me is that it, on some level, assumes that everybody is the same and that because Coach A and Player B do this, you can then take Coach C and Player D, and the results are going to be exactly the same because it's just everything's cookie-cutter. You can take everything and transfer it to a different setting, and it works. That has that gives no credit whatsoever to people being unique, and I think in the case of Belichick and Brady, you certainly have that there. To assume that, oh, we can just go recreate that, okay. I mean, you, you've got maybe the greatest coach of all time, and, and I think – getting to a point where it's inarguable, the greatest quarterback of all time, if you have that, sure. But otherwise, it's hard to uh, assume that you can just transplant that and have the same results.
2: But the one thing that Belichick does, well, first of all, if you are trying to copy it, what a lot of people try to copy is the, quote, patriot way which is really just having a really smart coach and having Tom Brady and then a lot of other people that are are, are sneaky, good players. They have a lot of sneaky, good players. Like yeah. Alan Branch is a sneaky, good player. No one cares about Alan Branch, but he's a great run stuffer. It allows them to play nickel all the time because they have Vince Wilfork did this and then they went out and got another guy. Belichick really understands positional value, who you should keep, who you should pay for, they, they pay for a left tackle. They don't pay for other things. Fading players, they let go pretty quickly. But uh, the one thing that I think Belichick always does his whole career is something that Mike Zimmer does on defense, but the Vikings have not done under Mike Zimmer on offense, which is make the most of your players' skill sets. Yes. Right? I mean, yes. you, just, you take what you – I mean, look at how many guys he has done this with on defense – Daniil Hunter yep. and, and his Completely development, is, to me, is the example I come to right away. Eric Hendricks, undersized, but a great cover linebacker. He uses him that way. On offense, you just couldn't be more opposite, and I feel like Belichick has done it on both offense and defense.
0: Well, and I think there's a point of development there because that that idea that you're talking about, I mean, when I did my big piece on Mike Zimmer last August, that was kind of the focus of it is that He's kind of learned that way, that that having this mentality of you have to change everything every year based on the people that you have, learned that from his dad. And I think on defense, he does a pretty good job of that. I, I think in a lot of ways he says, this is what this guy can do. I'm not going to put him in situations that are going to make him look bad. I'm going to take advantage of what he does. And if he doesn't do everything to be a complete player, then we won't use him that way. That's fine. Offensively, though, it has been difficult for them to have that same flexibility on that side of the ball. And I think some of that is having a coach that has been a defensive guy and is kind of still getting his feet under him, so to speak, as the guy that oversees the whole thing. And that mentality, especially when you have proven coordinators that have been used to doing it a certain way for 15 years in Pat Shermer's case or 35 in in Norm Turner's case, it's harder to be that flexible. And the
1: confidence is not there then to change things consistently. Yeah, yeah. But then, to me, to me, where where Belichick takes this conversation and takes it up to to a place where almost no team will go is Randy Moss, Jamie Collins, yeah. Mankins. I mean, they took Jamie Collins. Corey Dillon. Yeah. They took a guy who was a very serviceable, good linebacker at one time. They got frustrated, I, I think, because he came to them and started to complain about his contract. But, I mean, the fact is, during a Super Bowl season, they traded him.
3: Yep. They Taylor tra- Jones, too. I mean,
1: that is anybody else. You put him in a, a home and certifiably crazy right but they look at these guys and that's a level of of confidence yes. in your system that to me does not exist i mean i can't imagine you name me any other team short of the player being arrested or something you name me any other team in this league that says "Hey, jamie collins yeah you know he's pretty good but he wants a new contract we're frustrated with his attitude we're trading him that's a whole different you, you are now playing on a on a plane and that almost no other team in this league can even get close to yeah
0: yeah that's a good point I want to get into the the offensive side of things here because I think that's where we all feel like the biggest change has to happen and and I, I sort of had this theory mostly anecdotally that quarterbacks by the time they get to age 30 or when they get to in being in their 30s that's a lot of times where you really see these guys hit their sweet spot because they've had time to see everything and and diagnose different defenses and and be around the block. And we've we've seen that happen with Matt Ryan this year at age 31. It's hard to believe he's 31 already, but he is. So I asked our stats and information people this week, is there a template for Sam Bradford to make that kind of a jump? Hey, guys, it's Phil Mackey from 1500 ESPN and one of the hosts of Sports Over Beers, the original 1500ESPN.com podcast, where you find your favorite 1500 ESPN personalities drinking beer and talking sports. Pretty simple. Find it on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500 ESPN.com. Paps
3: Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Paps Blue Ribbon was awarded the Gold Medal for American Style Lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pap's Blue Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP.
0: Uh, the answer that came back is this does not happen to a lot of quarterbacks. That you have guys that do it, but you also have guys that are still in the league like Matt Castle or Mark Bulger at age thirty that drag the, the overall numbers down. I will say, and I I think it's it's preposterous to compare it to either of these two guys, but I'm mostly just saying this because it's going to tick Collar off, and I just wanted to bring it up. This is why I didn't write about it because like, it's it's kind of a preposterous comparison, but I'll bring it up for that, and then we'll get into the offensive discussion. Sam Bradford, ages 24 to 29. Completion percentage of 62.3%. Touchdown to interception ratio of 1.7 to 1. Passing yards per game of 239.3. Compares favorably to player A and player B. Player A, 62.8 completion percentage, 1.6 to 1 touchdown and interception ratio, 245.1 yards per game. Player B, 61.9 completion percentage, 1.9 touchdown and interception ratio, 226.9 yards per game from ages 24 to 29. Guys, any guesses as to who player A and player B are?
2: Is the two Super Bowl quarterbacks? Is is that who Uh, you've got there? One of them. Okay, so one of them, Matt Ryan. No, oh, the yeah, one of them is Tom Brady. Well, player you know, B is the Tom thing Brady. About, but the thing about Tom Brady here is, and I was uh, poking Join around. At the other one, I, uh, no. Well, I was poking uh, around a guy
0: with rings, a guy that that Tom Brady beat in the AFC title game.
2: Uh, so what? Ben uh, Roethlisberger. Oh, Roethlisberger. Okay. Well, so, you know Just what? saying. No. No. Here's but just here's saying. the the very interesting thing about those two guys <laughs> is that I was looking around at some of Michael Vick's stats and just yep. playing with his statistics because I saw somebody on Twitter indicate. Uh, you know, Michael Vick wasn't very good because his quarterback rating was this and his yards per attempt were this. And, well, of course you've got to add all the running in. That's obvious. But the other thing is that quarterback stats have changed so much. Yeah. Just even since 2004, I looked this up, the average quarterback rating in 04 was 80, and it was 87 this year. Yeah. And that's a huge yeah, jump for a number like that. Right. Other things like yards per attempt around the league, they don't move at all. So to see that much more success passing, everybody's numbers are going to be better.
0: You're not nearly angry enough about this. No, I was hoping this is going to be a That didn't work at all, Gasling. It backfired on you. No, no, not
2: really. Yeah, well, when you get into the stats, I have to be purely rational about those. Um, but w- the-, the question really is, there- there's one thing that hangs over with Sam Bradford that would give you an inkling of hope that he could have a jump like this, not to an all-time great season like Matt Ryan had, it's that he was the number one overall pick. Yeah. And so you know that he's got a ton of talent. And we've seen him throw. skills are there. And if you look at his deep ball numbers from last year, his deep ball numbers are phenomenal. Yes. Very, very good from last year. So you might say if there's any hope in you that he can be better than he was, then it's in the deep ball, and it's in we know he's got the arm talent, which is where it has to start. However, this year was a gigantic jump. Yep. And to think he's going to just stay at that level from what was already a gigantic jump, now that, I don't know.
0: The thing with him, it's always tricky, is that, yes, he made the jump, but he also did it behind a bad offensive line, and he once again was missing a lot of the pieces he was going to be counting on. So if you want to be optimistic about him, you can say, well, they fixed the line, maybe they get
1: another piece. But that's, that's the part. This conversation is based on this. Improving things around him immensely, and yes. still, but still not saying you're the guy. Right. This conversation is not can he turn into Brady or Roethlisberger. This conversation is saying can the Vikings have with a decent quarterback that quarterback play well enough with the proper infrastructure to make a run see now i would argue that
0: for a decent part of his career roethlisberger has not been the guy so to speak i mean he has not certainly his first super bowl there no, was, was not, not the guy that time. You're right about the that. second one probably was more in that direction but he's a hall of fame quarterback yes he's phenomenal i the and thing Sam with Bradford him will will
1: not be no accused and, and, of and, and like i say i'm not trying to
0: compare the two lest yeah, so i wind up on the statement tournament at another station but uh the thing I'll say about Roethlisberger is he's so unorthodox that he goes from kind of being this guy that you like the numbers right. aren't that great. At this point, like I, I think he's fantastic. I
1: guess my point is this: uh, the expectations for Bradford have to remain realistic, which is we can't sit here and say if we look at the Super Bowl uh, participants this year, can, yeah. can the Vikings be that? The answer is no. The answer yeah, is they don't have the, the is No way in hell the answer is can that defense be good enough and can the offense improve and the issue with the offense simply becomes this personnel i mean can you really matt can you go out and get a left tackle a right tackle a guard a running back or two i mean we're talking a a overhaul of a lot yeah. of a lot of pieces in a very short time well, some of them yes not all of them uh, i don't
2: know. the other part of it is their defensive performance this year
1: overall was nowhere
2: close to like a super bowl team that's carried by defense. Yeah. Nowhere close. I would I mean, agree. You're like especially late in the year. You're like 8th in the league overall? Yeah. Okay, I mean okay, that's fine, but that's not going to carry you to a Super Bowl to be that good you've got to be basically number one you're not 13 Seahawks or 2000 Ravens yeah exactly like that or Denver from from last year or even Denver from this year that didn't make the playoffs they weren't even in that category they weren't even as as good as other they probably weren't even as good as the Giants defense when all was said and done so you're looking at also saying wait a minute okay all the things you just named they need but the defense is losing two of their best cornerbacks potentially here. Now what are you going to do there? Are you bringing back Sheree Floyd? Is he going to be healthy? Because if he's not, it was disastrous when he wasn't. Like the, there, yeah, This this right. defense is not on solid ground.
0: My opinion is starting to change on, on one of those corners, though. I, I was talking to a couple people yesterday that, that made me think there is a better chance that they bring Captain Munderland back mm. than we have all thought. It, it, it may be a situation. I still think if somebody goes out and they says, should. hey, we're going to pay you to be a base corner. and I, I don't see another team necessarily thinking that that. that I mean, if there's a team that does it, I think Monod would jump out. I'm not sure that there will be that team. But I I would talked to a couple of people yesterday that made me think it is more likely that the Vikings will say, I know you're a slot corner, but we're going to pay you to stay because we think that that position is necessary and because there are questions about whether McKenzie Alexander is going to be ready to be that guy.
1: Question for you guys on the defense in this vein. Do we not that thi- I'm reporting that they're cutting anyone Walter football. <laughs> so the internet said yesterday. Yes. In fact, I'm going to tweet it right now. Not reporting that they're cutting ben anyone Guess signing were not cutting saying, saying that the Vikings Fusco. are cutting several key players. Uh, Apparently that's what I said. Defensively, do we think I didn't say that. do we think that um, injuries took their toll on the Vikings and that's why the defense dropped off or and this this is a bit a bigger question. Did they get figured out? Yes. Because because we all know and I've t- tried to tell people this a thousand times but in this league offensive and defensive coordinators have nothing to do. Like they have no life. They don't care about their families, <laughs> they don't care about their kids, they don't care about their pets. They will sit oh. in that they will sit in dark rooms for months on end. So all of so if 6 months ago we're talking about the A gap. The Vikings have this great defense. Yep. These teams will sit there and somebody will will say, "Here's what we do." And all of a sudden, it gets leaky. And the next thing you know, the next team picks that up and beats them. So do we think that this is a matter of personnel that got injured and that the Vikings are fine defensively or did they get fit figured out because if they don't adjust to that the principles of this defense will come unglued.
0: Well and that that is a concern and I'm glad you brought it up because they weren't that injured defensively I mean Harrison Smith certainly harmed things I mean him, him being hurt certainly has a major major effect on this defense but we saw signs of some of the cracks I think before that and a guy like Anthony Barr as we've talked about has to be a lot better for this all to work, because if he's not getting to where he needs to be, then he's awfully easy to pick on in that defense.
2: A couple of plays came to mind when you brought that up, which was the giant Jordan Howard run for the Bears, yeah. and then the one with the Lions up the middle for like 60 yards, or whatever it was. I think both are on similar plays that seemed like the other team was pretty well prepared for what might come there yeah. toward that A-gap and took advantage of it, but... I think it's I think the drop off had to do a lot with Harrison Smith being out, and in my mind it was a personnel mistake by Mike Zimmer because Anthony Harris cannot play safety. He cannot cover. He can stop the run okay, and maybe he might be a hybrid linebacker or something instead but he is not a cover safety. Every time he was out there, he got burned. Jaron Curse looked like he had no idea how to play NFL football yet, which he's a freak athlete and might become a good player. Zimmer says he thinks he will, but at this point, he didn't know what he was doing. Do do? was... I mean,
0: and well, what do you do? I mean, if Anderson Dale was hurt, what do you do? Well, you
2: would have uh, put Terrence Newman back there and played Trey Waynes at corner, which is probably the best option to do. And that's why I think, I think it was a mistake well, not you to... You could have signed George Aloko. I mean, well, that's – I mean, that's the thing is having those two behind Harrison Smith and Anderson Deho – it wasn't enough and then you had a better option and they didn't use it so I think that was a big part of it and also I don't think Mike Zimmer could have predicted how far Anthony Barr was going to fall off yeah that's the thing but that's why it's so hard to maintain this type of defense because if one guy falls off what we saw this year is every piece has to be in place and playing at a high level or you're not the best defense in the league I
0: think one of the things that that fans try to do this time of year and we all fall victim to it, is say, well, if, if we assume everything is the same as last year, and we fixed this and nothing else drops off, then it's going to be great. But I mean, it's like you're trying to do when you're fixing a, a, a leak in a tire where it's off oh, I patch this and then something else pops open. And there's there's this temptation to just say, oh, well, all we got to do is fix this and nothing else will come up as a problem. Something else always comes and, up, and don't as forget a too.
1: Zimmer sat there last off season and very point by point told you guys it'd be great to get another safety by Harrison Smith. Yep, and they didn't do it. Yep, but I mean his his whole point was if I can turn Harrison Smith loose completely, it's yep. going to change things, and they did not do that. Yes, so that's on Rick too. And it gets expensive I mean, to on, do it,
0: but yes, yeah, so, some of that's roster construction.
1: But I'm just curious. I I just I. Really believe that if you continue to run a system, it works for a while, but it runs out. And, and that doesn't mean it gets bad, but that means that you, you then have to adjust to the adjustments or else it will catch up to you. So, go ahead, Matthew.
2: Well, I was just going to say, if you look at, I, I did a chart of this for one of the Future of the Vikings articles I did about Zimmer's rank for, as a defensive coordinator throughout his career. And there's years where he's number one in the league, yep. and there's years where he's 27th in the league, and it, it bounces up and down for almost anyone. I, this isn't to say that he's inconsistent or something, but it goes to exactly what both of you are saying, that, that it's often the whack-a-mole effect where you <laughs> nail one thing and then another thing pops up. What a great game. Yeah, whack-a-mole.
0: it is. Or Big fan of that at Chuck E. Cheese.
2: Or it takes that. That down year to I make mean, the, now, the adjustment. I,
0: I do not go now. Okay. I don't go to Chuck E. Cheese now. I mean, you've
1: got kids. You could make that case. Yeah. I,
0: that's true. I did go to Chuck E. Cheese for my 25th don't birthday. Don't apologize. Which you I didn't know, have play kids. playing video
1: then. games with McCoy that until the late hours that's in Mankato. True.
0: Yeah. Not just in Mankato. Well, yes. That's I true. used to be drinking till four in well, Mankato. Well, I. Would I mean, argue God that one of those your probably puts us in a better shape at age forty than it oh, does you'll for live, you.
1: you. You'll live much longer than I will. Don't worry about of
0: course, that. eating Taco Bell probably is not real good for your long-term you health either.
2: Taco Bell's not bad. Look how skinny you uh, are. I mean, it's excellent. got lettuce. Yeah, yeah Taco that's Bell's true. not that
1: bad for you actually. <laughs> Cheese Dorito's not great for you.
2: Anyway, um, it's great after a few. Minutes, real quick,
0: before we get to a couple Super Bowl items. We talked about a little bit of this already, but I, I was chatting with Kyle Rudolph last week, uh, talking to him on the phone while he was going through the the car wash, as we call it, uh, at ESPN. He was out in Bristol doing a, a number of interviews, and we got talking about the offense, and, and he felt like some of it, the offensive identity changed, obviously, because it had to, but I think he felt like, I mean, he said we're not that far off from being good, and, and he was optimistic about Pat Shermer. My question is, What do we think the offensive identity next year will be with Pat Shermer in charge now that he's got some time to mold it completely in his image? And is there a way for this team to make this work if the offensive line does not get completely fixed? Because I do not think that we should assume as a baseline that the offensive line is going to be great. Maybe it will be league average. But how do we think the offensive identity looks next year, and can they make it work if they do not have a really
2: good offensive line next year? I hope that they don't think it was mostly fine. I I hope they don't look at it and go, well, you know, it was really just the left tackle, or it was really just the right tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Because there were a lot more issues than that. And when Mike Zimmer in his end-of-year press conference was citing all the statistics that he supposedly had that they were better under Shermer than Turner. They were. They still weren't very good. They were better. Well, yeah, right. I mean... Not that much better. I mean, I ran the numbers, assuming now you could also say Shermer was maybe in charge more through some of the five games and then the two, whatever way you want to cut it up. But the point being that after Shermer took over, my expectation was that there would be a lot more creativity and there really wasn't. And I expected that they would maximize some players' skill sets better and they did not. And now some were, like Adam Thielen had a great second half of the year, uh, you know, so it, it wasn't all bad. Or Rudolph anything had like a good that. second half as well. Rudolph had a good second half. Uh, Jarek McKinnon was better in the second half, I would say. But McKinnon, I think, was not utilized enough. And the problem on third down was not solved. To me, I, I felt this year more than I've ever thought in my life. I, I've always kind of rolled my eyes at the broadcasters who are talking about. Guys, third down's where it's won and lost. Yeah, okay, I don't know, whatever. And then this year, watching this team on third down, wh- how does that get solved? How does it get solved between what defenses were doing to them and what Sam Bradford's shortcomings are? Because to me, that ended so many drives and so many opportunities to win games. were just short of the sticks and did not have playmakers who could catch a ball short of the sticks like a, another playmaking tight end. They didn't yeah. have that. Uh, I, I ran the numbers on this. I think Kyle Rudolph, it was about a fourth of the time that he caught a ball on third down that it turned into a first down. I mean, that's just unacceptable.
0: Yeah, I, I think he ended up with, I, I want to say, like 50 first downs of his 83 catches. But but how many of those were on third downs, I, I'm not sure off the top of my head. But, yes, third downs were a problem.
1: Is Peterson back or no in, in this discussion?
0: Um, I guess in this discussion I'm thinking no.
1: Okay, because if he's not back, I think...
0: Because I, I think the only way your identity changes is, is if he's not back. Um, or it turns into what Pat Shermer wants it to be, is if he's not back.
1: Yeah, and if you could run a, if you could run a real West Coast offense and get somewhat creative, I think you've got a shot. Uh, clearly, the left tackle has to be fixed. Yep. I'd like the right tackle to be fixed. I think the guards and the, the interior can work. Uh, but the most important thing, too, is do you go out and get running backs who understand their roles? Right. Because you're talking about you're talking about pass protection. You're talking about short passing game, running game. So to me, the most important thing is, are you going to go out and address that? And I don't I'm not saying that that you have to go spend a ton. You don't. But are you going to get guys in the draft or pick up guys off the street who aren't aren't that, that expensive, who can step in here and know their roles because they are the guys that if it's done right, give you outlets for things like first downs. The problem was, if if you think about it, what part of this Viking offense on, let's say, 3rd and 10 was geared towards actually getting 10 yards? None of it, really, right? I mean, your offensive line couldn't pass, protect. They couldn't block. Your run game was in complete shambles. Your tight end, even your top one, at times, would just flat-out drop passes. Now, at times, he played well. But my point is, you never looked at this offense and said, okay, if they need 6 yards, they got it. And so, I think... The West Coast, if it's run effectively and efficiently, does all those things, right? I mean, if the West Coast is run effectively, occasionally you you hit the big strike down the field, but a lot of times you get 10 yards, 12 yards. So to me, it really goes down to the the personnel fixes. And it's not that every single position has to be upgraded with a pro bowler, but if you don't do this right, you're going to get into the same exact rut, which is you're going to take a dumb penalty. It's going to be third and 15. You're going to get five yards, and you're not going to get the first down. I mean— it's simple. Yeah. It's simple, but it's not. Um, and to your question, caller, I can't tell yet what Schirmer's going to do, though. I, I mean, I can't. He comes from a very true. This is the West Coast. Yep. So as far as, as your continued point and you're right is, is he going to get creative? I can't sit here definitively and say yes. I think he might run a very true, pure, crack cocaine West Coast offense. <laughs> None of
0: the Chip Kelly stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I could be wrong. But, yeah, I mean, he does come from Andy Reid. Childress came here and did the same thing. Yep. So I'm and curious. Those guys,
2: Childress and Chip Kelly, well, Chip Kelly maybe not as much as this, but I think Childress especially, I mean, when he went to Kansas City with Andy Reid, the creativity I, I think was there. In that, I mean, they got a lot out of Alex Smith, and they were given a, a playmaker in Tyreek Hill who is, to me, like a shorter Cordell Patterson and they made the most out of him. He can't run routes or catch either, really. But <laughs> but they made a lot out of him. And I, I see the same thing with taylor gabriel and what uh atlanta did with him yeah where it's like you have this playmaking guy who's might be a kick returner or not who can't really catch and can't really run the routes perfectly so another team doesn't want him and then he turns into you know your playmaking guy and you can use him in different sort of ways now they did a little bit of that with patterson he had a decent year Uh, if they bring him back i would want to see a lot more of that and that's the thing so i'm you know you're reading articles about Childress did something wacky in the off season to help figure out his offense and be more creative. The NBA thing with the Falcons that you're reading about, it's like, okay, well, well, what, well, what are you doing? I guess we won't find that out now, but this is what your competition's doing. Your competition is searching to the ends of the earth for ways to create more offense because they know the value of it in the NFL. So are you doing the same or are you sticking with what you think has always worked? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's one of those questions that will play out over the next number of months here and uh, certainly will be one to keep an eye on. As we come to the end of this podcast, Super Bowl predictions and give us a prop bet that you're watching and uh, give the, the, the degenerate gamblers in our audience uh, a way to lose their money on Sunday.
2: Uh, I will say that the Atlanta Falcons win the Super Bowl. Okay, and I will go. What you got for a score. It is. Uh, I. I don't think too many get that far over thirty. So I will go thirty-two to twenty-four. Okay. over the New England Patriots, and I don't know. I mean, the the prop bets, uh, it announcer based can be fun. How many times a guy says somebody's name or whatever? I haven't looked. Well, them for example, over,
0: but- uh, one of them. How many times will deflate or deflate gate be set on the TV live broadcast? The over/under is one and a half.
2: Oh, definitely the I'm over. Mash now. that over, yeah, for sure.
1: There's a Trump now, one as well, my, right? Now, one one of
0: my favorite. There are several Trump ones. Yes. Okay. The
2: length of the national anthem has always been one of my favorites. Yep. To, to do because usually Las Vegas is so good at that, it's like right down to the minute. <laughs> I
0: think un- it's It's Luke Bryan. It's not a diva this year, so I think I'd, I'd I would go maybe under, go yeah. under. On What's the that? time
1: on it? I, I don't know what the,
0: what they put as the over under. One of the one of the props on the anthem is what will Luke Bryan be wearing when he starts singing the U.S. national anthem? Blue jeans go off at one to two. Any other pants or shorts are three to two. Shh, he's
2: not gonna wear shorts. It's, be it's blue gotta jeans. be a blue jeans, right? In Texas, and a hat, come on, and a yeah,
0: cowboy it's, hat, yeah. Hit the hit the blue jeans on that on that prop.
1: I'm going uh, Patriots um, twenty eight twenty one. Okay, I can't go against I can't go against them. Uh, it's and the Falcons. The, the thing about this that scares me if I'm the Falcons is Be- is Belichick's not had two weeks to prepare for him. Yeah, uh, Matt yeah. R- Matt Ryan, who's been don't get me wrong, he's been fantastic, but Matt Ryan's being put in a situation that he's not previously been in. Uh, so. I'm going Patriots.
2: I, I think this about the Patriots' defense, that the stat that will get thrown all over the place is that they were number one in points against. And They're I think bad teams. I think that is just a fraudulent stat when you look at who they played in the second half of the season. They faced nobody. Yeah. But the one thing that I'm looking for in this is how they control the clock with LeGarrette Blunt. Because the Falcons couldn't stop you running up the middle, Judd. I mean, the the Vikings offensive big, line could you know, probably block the Falcons. That's how bad they are in the middle. Yes. I think that if you are pounding LeGarrette Blunt over and over, keeping the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands, then uh, it would be a surprising way to go about it for the New England Patriots. But they've got a three-headed monster for running backs. It's gonna be it's gonna to be tough to me for the Falcons to stop their running game.
0: Yeah, I've got Patriots twenty seven twenty three in this one. I, I I agree that Belichick having two weeks to prepare is an awful lot. I I just Matt as good as Matt Ryan has been this year, there's been a lot of times in the playoffs where Matt Ryan has not been able to answer the bell. I, I think I'm gonna to take Tom Brady over Matt Ryan, especially when Tom Brady has a chance to basically end the discussion in my mind at least. Not that he cares what I think, but. About who's the greatest ever? I mean, if he gets to five rings, playing the in the game seven times, he's going to end up with a lot of the numbers and the the fu to Roger Goodell. That's my thing. I, I think Brady's Brady, going to get locked in
1: because I mean, but Belichick's now been called a cheater. Or what on at least two occasions, yep. if not more, probably more than that. And then yes, I think the the complete fu of we started Jimmy Garoppolo and then we started some guy I can't even recall in game. Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett. And we still won the Super Bowl. is going to be enough that they will, my guess, Belichick, in the last two weeks, two hours sleep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think they win it. And and one more uh, prop tip for you. What color will Lady Gaga's hair be when she comes on the stage for the halftime show? Mm -hmm. Blonde is one to four. Any other color is five to two. Blue. She'll be Marge Simpson. Could be. Trying to, to make a
2: now she said today political statement that there is not going to be a meat dress. Okay, so well, that's good. I, I think that Lady Gaga is trying to change her image a bit. She
0: does stuff with Tony Bennett now. She was singing my favorite things at exactly, the, at the exactly. Emmys or the Grammys and or whatever the heck her it was. last
2: tour because there were a lot of commercials for it was supposed to be a like. I'm I'm turning into sort of more of a real singer songwriter yeah. sort of tour, so she's going away from all the craziness. So I, I think that she just plays it straight.
0: No meat dress, blonde hair. Nope. Straight halftime show. No Patriots. political rant at all? Nope. Well, I, she said something today that makes I me think there'll this, be some political I'm, rant. I
1: don't trust these people not to do a quick political. Well, well even, last year, I mean, I mean, even last year. Until it gets turned out.
2: Even last year, them all dressing in, in black and that sort of thing.
1: Well, uh, Beyonce um, coming
0: out looking like the Black Panthers, yeah, was certainly. Yeah. That was an uh, amazing a, halftime show. The second half of it was. I mean, the Coldplay part, I can that's do Oh, that, but, yeah. I forgot that
2: that was no even Prince. part of it. No I, I, I literally no, forgot that. Nothing
0: will ever touch what Prince did in Miami. And the... The fact that that show that halftime show has now resurfaced on YouTube. Um obviously we miss Prince, we wish he was still here, but the fact that you can now get some of the bootleg videos online is a nice have, consolation because you can watched watch the, some of this stuff and remember how great it was.
2: Have you watched the NFL films bit on it? Yes. It Yeah, they it, did they ever, during
0: it, the fifty grids halftime show or the look fifty this, years of halftime yeah, shows it was fantastic.
2: For, for people who haven't seen it, look it up. The best part of it though I'll ruin for you is when the producer of it is talking to Prince about it raining, and he, yes. says, he says, "Prince, is, is this going to be okay?" I mean, it's yeah. really pouring out there. And Prince says, "Can you make it rain harder?" Yeah,
1: that's awesome. Yeah, really? it's amazing. That's I remember that. I remember that at story. the time,
0: thinking like, "Oh, it's just kind of drizzling." It's like, Cold I went Paris, back and right? watched it. Yeah, it was pouring, and and the the show was unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, he, and he's probably in like three and a half inch shoes or whatever the heck it was, and. It was absolutely pouring. I mean, nobody in my mind will ever touch that one. The U2 one after 9-11 was great as well. But, you know, I, it, with Lady Gaga, I, I think assuming that it will be free of curveballs completely is probably a little much to ask. But but I, I'm going blonde hair on that prop yeah. in case you're on that one. I so, think
2: it'll surpass uh, Black Eyed Peas just fine,
0: though. Yes, yes. I, I would think that that is probably the case. Maybe Tony Bennett will show up. Who knows? I think I mean, he is going to. He he did not. He's going to croon. He did not show up in san francisco last year but he'll be at this that something seems wrong with that but we'll take what we got he's so going to houston yeah he, he left his heart in san francisco but he's singing in houston God bless him for leave his voice houston. in houston so we'll see how that goes we'll be back next week to discuss the super bowl and probably whatever other vikings stuff comes out of it i'm sure there'll be something uh between now and then thanks for listening hope your prop bets go well hope lady gaga's hair is blonde and we'll talk to you next week